oh my goodness, everyone and their mom has a group coaching program. It's like how everyone and their dog was in an MLM not too long ago. Why has the industry fallen in love with this group coaching model? Is it even possible to coach in a group? If they aren't group coaching sessions, then what are they? Must be something else, right? Let's get into it. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Defiant Business Podcast, and I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, founder of Defy the Status Quo, a branding and marketing consultancy. This podcast is for the business owners and professionals who have seen the status quo in their industry and are ready to do things differently. We're here for the contrarians, mavericks, and rebels. On the Defiant Business Podcast, we'll talk about marketing, sales, client and customer experiences, finances, and amazing entrepreneur journeys that show that none of us are alone. Thank you for joining me. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Defiant Business Podcast. I'm your host, Ruthie Bowles, the founder of Defy the Status Quo, which is a marketing and branding consultancy for soul-driven entrepreneurs who are looking to connect deeply with their audiences and provide amazing client experiences. So thank you so much for joining me for today's episode because I am super excited about this one. This is a question, this is a topic that I have been mulling over during my bike rides as I'm milking my goat, feeding my chickens, washing the dishes, you name it. And I think it's a really important question because I think language is really important. So the words that we use to describe what it is that we offer to clients, I think help not just differentiate us in the market, i.e. just making up some stuff so you sound fancy, but they really allow us to get specific. And we're going to get to all that. But I think the first question we have to address is, is it possible to coach in a group? Okay. I feel it already. Some of y'all are already getting like fired up. You're about to shoot me some mean ass DMs. Don't do it. I'm not saying I even have the answer to this question. I'm just trying to put it out there so we can actually discuss it. So I think we have to look at the definition of coaching. And I've got a couple for you. You know me. Don't worry about it. I got you. So the international coaching community says that the essence of coaching is to help a person change in the way that they wish and helping them go in the direction they want to go. Coaching supports a person at every level in becoming who they want to be. And coaching builds awareness, empowers choice, and leads to change. I thought that was a pretty good answer. I thought that was a pretty good answer. Kind of shows you what the focus is on, but it doesn't necessarily look at the role that the coach would play. So... I I had to. I had to. I took a look at the International Coaching Federation, and I know that some people are kind of giving them the side eye right now. And honestly, with all of the unethical things going on, of course, this is largely done by uncertified coaches, at least from what I've seen. But a lot of unethical things are happening in the coaching and consulting industry. So I'm not really sure what ICF is doing with their like millions of organizations that can certify and whatnot. It seems almost like they let anybody in, but that's probably a whole different topic for another episode. (laughs) But they define coaching as partnering with clients in a thought-provoking and creative process that inspires them to maximize their personal and professional potential. The process of coaching often unlocks previously untapped sources of imagination 
productivity and leadership. I thought that was pretty good, you know, looking at how the the client and the coach are partners. And this should be a creative process, i.e. not a cookie cutter process. You know what I mean? So I, I thought that that one was pretty good. Um, I have to be honest when I say that I was a bit disturbed to read on positive psychology today that the biggest limitation uh, to one-to-one coaching is that limits the coach's ability to take on more clients. Now, I'm not saying that that's not true, but that largely seems to be the focus everywhere instead of addressing how group coaching is effective to the client, how it might provide a better experience for the client. Um, Because I think that we should be putting the client first. And I think most of the people in my audience would agree. So, you know, I think as we're we're looking at the business side of coaching, yes, one-to-one coaching can limit the number of people that you would take on as clients. But, you know, and that doesn't mean that group coaching is horrible. It just means that I think maybe we have our eye on the wrong thing, which arguably could be a symptom of the fact that we've got so many group coaching, so-called group coaching programs running around right now. Um, And I will say that that article from Positive Psychology Today did eventually get to the benefits of group coaching for clients, but I thought it was a bit backwards that I had to scroll down so far in order to find it. And finally... One more, one more. The I thought this was interesting. I also looked up like what's expected during a coaching session. I thought that that was important. And I found something on the International Coach Academy that says a structured coaching session is done in about six steps. And I'm not going to go through all of them, but the the six steps that they listed had questions associated with them, which I thought was important when you consider the normal time constraints of like a group coaching session or a one-to-one coaching session. Do you have time to go through all of those steps and those questions uh, as applicable with every single person in the group? You know, I I don't think so personally, but, you know, they said that about the session being structured in six steps. But then they also had a link below the video where they talked about that um, to a, to a group coaching certification program. So I'm, I'm not really sure what they were communicating right there. Um, so back to the question, is coaching in a group possible? You know, I'm, I'm still thinking about it. Uh, so I don't know. And I'd love to know your thoughts. So, I mean, I normally save the request for you to DM me for the end of the episode, but I'm going to plop it right here. And you let me know, is legitimate coaching possible in a group? And by legitimate coaching, I just mean coaching in the truest sense of the word. Is coaching, true coaching, possible in a group? Send me a DM. Let me know what you think. Okay. So now we're going to get to some of the other options because I'm not saying that, oh, if it's not group coaching, then, you know, it's nothing. I still think that most people are doing something. Yay. (laughs) So, So most people are still being paid to do something. I just don't think it's always group coaching. So I addressed this in a previous episode briefly. And so I'm going to expand a bit on what I was talking about. Um, But are you doing group coaching or are you doing group training? Yes, I feel the cogs turning in your mind already. (laughs) Are you doing group coaching or are you doing group training? Did you as a client experience group coaching or did you experience group training? And again, the possibility for group coaching is still up in the air. But ICC, that's the International Coaching Community, 
Uh, their definition of training is the process of getting knowledge, skills, or abilities by study, experience, or teaching. The trainer, by definition, is the expert. And the training course uh, is likely to be targeted on specific skills for immediate results. Training is also likely to be one-to-many rather one-to-one. Ooh, <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and I thought it was also interesting to include their definition of teaching, which is teaching passes knowledge from the teacher to the student. The teacher knows something that the student does not. Now, from, from coaching, again, true coaching, it's not the, the client or the coach that's the expert. It's the client that's the expert. And the coach tends to help the client uncover the answers from within themselves, right? So that means a coach doesn't have to be in your industry. For example, the coach helps you lean into your intuition, your knowledge, your experiences, and to find the answers that fit you right now. All right, coaches, don't at me for that. I know that was like a very roughshod definition, okay? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do apologize to quantum physicists in another episode. I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> so while, it, you know, like I said, it may not be possible to even coach in a group. So is what you're doing group training? I, I honestly think a lot of marketing and sales and other types of business function so-called coaches, and yes, I'm using air quotes, are actually trainers or maybe consultants. Um, you know, most of them posi position themselves as having the secret sauce, right? Which means that they know something that their future clients don't. And that's not a coach's lane, right? If we go back to those definitions. So are you potentially offering group training? You as a, as a client, did you experience group training? Was somebody giving you knowledge that you didn't have on how to do something? Although, like, to be fair, I know plenty of us go into programs thinking we're going to get something we don't know. And then it turns out we already know it. So I'm not including us in that group if that's happened to you. But if the client's goal is to learn something new or better, then you might not even be a coach in the truest like sense of the word. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I call myself a, a brand, a brand and marketing consultant, a strategist. Um, I admit that sometimes what I do falls into the lane of coaching makes sense because I use, um, I incorporate emotional intelligence into the work that I do. And I am certified as an emotional intelligence coach. But I feel like the large sum of what I do, the majority of what I do is consulting and training. So that's how I identify myself. So ask yourself, are you offering group coaching or are you offering group training or potentially even like group consulting or like crowdsourced consulting where people can reach out to you from in a group perspective and therefore they're better able to afford it versus maybe trying to take pay you as a one to one consultant? Um, you know, even if you are now thinking maybe I'm actually a trainer or a consultant, you know, that being said, most people out here that I've seen are not up to snuff on professional training standards. And that's coming from someone who in the past was trained as a trainer. <laughs> All right. So if you're still listening, I'm assuming you're not taking any offense. <laughs> so another option, I think, are we looking at group coaching? Or are we looking at a group guided session? Are you legitimately offering group coaching or is this more of a guided session for your clients? So 
I found this definition not on a coaching or consulting website, but I thought it was still a really good definition. So this definition comes from Access Art, and they identify or define a guided group session as a session in which the facilitator or teacher talks pupils or students through a process or area of exploration whilst they, the students, undertake that exploration. The whole group works at the same pace led by the facilitator. I know that I have attended guided group sessions before. Uh, You know, we have like an agenda that we're going to go through and we all go through it together and the facilitator, the leader is leading us through those things. And, you know, another example of what I would consider something that falls under this category is probably um, like accountability meetings. So a a business coach or leader, trainer, facilitator, whatever, may have accountability sessions. And I don't consider those coaching sessions, but they're still really important because if we're, if we feel like, you know, we're being held accountable to something, we're way more likely to get it done. And what actually gets done is what actually helps move your business forward. Not all the great ideas in your head that you never act out on. Okay. So I'm not dishing accountability sessions. So if you're a coach or a consultant who offers accountability sessions, I am not shitting on you for that. I am just saying that's different than coaching. That's all. I think fitness is a really good example, Um, you know, because I can pay a personal trainer for one-to-one sessions, one-to-one sessions, right? And I used to be a personal trainer. (laughs) So I know you're like, Jesus, Ruthie, like it feels like you used to be everything. Uh, Nope, nope. I've just been a lot of things. Uh, And they all keep coming up as relevant because I draw on my experience. I draw on what I know. So I can pay a personal trainer for one-to-one training sessions. And my, so as a personal trainer, when I had a one-to-one session, my focus was on that client the whole time. I developed a customized, you know, like a, a, a tailored fitness plan based on my training and my experience for this client, right? And then I watched them. I corrected their form. I adjusted the amount of weight that we were using if I felt their form was slipping. You know, if they told me that, you know, they were sick or we needed recovery, I helped make the executive decision like, hey, maybe you should go home or maybe we should take it easy on training today. Here's something else that we can do. You know, so I was giving them my full attention for that time and and sometimes even outside of that time because it's hard not to think of clients, right, even on our quote unquote off time. But the point being is that when you pay a personal trainer for a one-to-one session, Their eyes are on you. They should be. Their eyes are on you that whole time. They're correcting your form that whole time. They are fully engaged with just you. You have all of their attention for that time slot. And again, probably sometimes outside of the time slot. But I digress. But I could also pay to be in a group session. And then, you know, think like your, you know, aerobic weightlifting classes or Zumba or uh, the bar classes, pole dancing classes. Like I can pay to be in a, a belly dancing class, right, with a group of people. I'm sharing the attention. I don't have the complete focus of the trainer or the instructor. And I know that. But it is still worthwhile for me to be there. Um I would love to take belly dancing lessons or, or pole dancing lessons. I think that both of those look super fun. Um, but it's going to cost me more to do one-to-one sessions with a belly dancing instructor or a pole dancing instructor than it would if I do a group session. And again, as a consumer, as somebody paying for that service, I know that and I find it acceptable. I think that sometimes when we come across these things, it, it, like I said, it's mostly walking people through a process of discovery or or something like that. But you aren't necessarily deep diving with them into what those discoveries mean for them and their lives. And again, that's okay. You as the coach, maybe you have one-to-one opportunities or people in your group coaching or group-led uh, sessions, or I guess your group sessions, your facilitator-led group sessions, 
maybe you have the opportunity for them to pay for one-to-one sessions like ad hoc or, you know, as part of your group program, you, you offer your clients a scheduled periodic one-to-one sessions, maybe, you know, once a month, quarterly, every six weeks or however long your program is, however long, you know, however it makes sense. Then we got to look at, does it even matter what it's called? Ruthie, are you quibbling over needless details? I don't think so, especially since I was able to find some differences. Um, like my son says, he's seven. He he said this to me the other day about a topic. I can't remember what it was, but it just struck me. I was like, geez, kid, why are you so smart? Um, he said, mom, we should come up with a more specific way to talk about that. People might get confused. And look, before you even roll, look, don't roll your eyes at me. I can feel that you're doing it. Yes, he is seven. Don't roll your eyes. He's advanced, but he also still laughs at farts, okay? But he had a moment where he said that, and I was like, oof, that's really good. We 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 should be more specific so people don't get confused. Words have power. Language is the way that we convey our experience of reality. So differentiating between the types of programs and tools and mechanisms through which we help our clients group or otherwise, allows us to better set client expectations while also having more informed discussions amongst ourselves, the coaches and consultants. <laughs> Calling everything coaching dilutes the meaning of the word coaching. You know what I mean? So, I mean, really, it's up to you to decide what's best for your clients. Although, to be fair, if you don't, hopefully they will find somebody who will because you should always be offering your best, right? So that's the assumption here is that you're always looking to offer your best. And that's why I'm trying to start this conversation. Uh, You know, so perhaps what's best is a combination of group and one-to-one sessions, uh, no matter what you decide to call them. And personally, I think coaches and consultants greatly limit themselves if they don't have a variety of options for their potential clients. And of course, that's dependent on where you're at in your phase of business. But, you know, not everybody's going to fit a particular solution. So if you are very much like focused in on having one solution and funneling all of your clients to this one solution, um, then you need to start saying no to more people. So if you say no to people who aren't a perfect fit for this single solution that you have, then fine, keep doing what you're doing. But there are too many people out here who just let folks in the program anyway. And I went through that experience and it was absolutely horrible and made me want to, it made me feel like I wasn't good enough to be an entrepreneur, to be a business owner. That is how I felt about halfway through that program that I shouldn't have been in. And I paid a five-figure sum I paid a five-figure sum for that program. And that's the whole point of of why I'm exploring the the coaching and consulting industry the way that I am, not just to build my own business in an ethical way, but because I find it fascinating and I realize that a lot of us are having these conversations and most of us don't have an answer. So that's why I think it's so important that we talk about these things. So... (laughs) Like I said, I know I covered a lot today. Maybe go back and listen to this again. I hope you took some notes. (laughs) Send me a DM if you want to continue the conversation. Find the social media channels, Defy the Status Quo, uh, wherever it is you like to hang out on social media and comment because that's one of the ways that we can kind of get this conversation going. Uh, I don't I don't position myself as having all the answers. I'm just somebody who's got questions and I'm doing the research and I'd love to know what you think. So thank you so much for joining me. And I hope to see you again next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. 
To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Defy the Status Quo Biz, and the link is in this episode's description. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.